gonna leave without giving me a kiss? Ah! Oh, we haven't started yet. Ah! Oh. Oh! <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were Thank you. Sorry. That's gay. It's gay. <laughs> Get your gays out of my gay podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I definitely can't inc- include that in the cold open. Oh, you that you have to. It's about a gay movie. <laughs> no, stop. I'm not going to put my fiance on blast like that. Get their permission and then it'll be No, funny. no. I, <laughs> Gwen! I, 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 Gwen! I, could, I could ask and they're not going to give it to me. What, <laughs> please? Stop it. Do it for the gays. <laughs> We need this positivity. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, all right. Welcome back to the AdCast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I am your stranger by the shore, Renu. And I'm your queer novelist who doesn't get any sleep, <laughs> Soup. That's so real. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really did feel this movie. <laughs> this week, AD stands for Affectionate Ties because we'll be talking about Stranger by the Shore, um, which also has a French name, which I will definitely mispronounce. Um, umibe no etranger. <laughs> I th- I think that's something something like that. It's like et- etranger, etranger, something like that. But also, it, th- this is funny because um, it is a mix of Japanese and French. But uh, in the English, it's literally just they just flatten it to the whole title is in English. Because <laughs> well, like umibe like is is like shore, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Etranger. <laughs> Etranger. That's what YouTube just told me. <laughs> yeah, the Japanese, like, um, the phoneticization in Japanese is like, eto lanze. Oh. So, um, yeah, I-, I knew it was something like that. This is a pretty common word in, um, in like, Japanese in general. Like, I know what? that Japanese is a language that has, um kind of a fascination and a willingness to accept loan words but i feel like i feel like this this specific word um et ranger, which means which means stranger um i feel like i see it like everywhere because it's like oh. a cool thing you can be like mm, yes yeah the, the mysterious et <laughs> i see <laughs> yeah I, it's 100 percent that kind of thing <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we get into talking about this film, um, what have we been up to? Well, that is a good <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> it has not been like overly long since the last time we recorded. Mm. Um, we are in that weird cadence where we're just gonna be like, like, okay. So I made a joke about this on the on the on the podcast Twitter account, but um, it, it basically instead of being a monthly podcast. We're like a podcast that releases like weekly every three months. 
<laughs> because like the anime season just kind of like squishes and truncates everything and it's always on yes. like a weird cadence it's it's, yes. it's kind of annoying but it's like at the same time um just like one of those things where like it is also really hard to uh it's also really hard to just like you know fit that elsewhere right like even if we turn the yeah. wrap up into like a, a a bonus episode it's just like now we have even more work. It it it's weird because you would think it would be like um you know one episode like just adding an, another episode every like couple months, right? But it like quadruples the workload for some reason. I I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I, um, I I like that we have a sampler and um a finale or wrap up or whatever. But yeah, it does the the timing of it because you know we do the end of the season and then the beginning of the next like one. The end of the month, it's just yeah. yeah, it's just I mean, inevitable. I will I will say this. <laughs> um, I like the way that our uh our schedule is set up now, where the sampler is uh mostly about the stuff we're not going to continue watching, and mm-hmm. it's like a point five episode, and then um the wrap up is like a full episode because like we we talk for like two and a half to three hours on each of those things like it would be kind of weird if we were like okay everybody here's a bonus episode it's longer than our usual podcast (laughs) right but like i still like want to edit it and stuff i I think there's like a point at which um we would have to make the decision about whether it was going to be a longer uh, unedited like unfiltered thing that we just like stream instead of like putting any real effort into but mm-hmm. um you know I, I like the way that that we went with it so mm-hmm. uh, enough podcast housekeeping get that get that out of the way get out um what I, else have you been up to <laughs> that's a good question um i just hosted my parents uh for the first ah. time since i moved out uh-huh. um we were going to do this like months ago but you know, it just like didn't work out because mm-hmm. um, you know, we uh, had like a COVID scare because like my sister might have had it, um, and uh, and all that kind of stuff. It was this was like in the the like big Omicron surge, you know, when it was very unsafe to go outside again, um, because we had COVID, but now it was even more contagious than before, right? Um, which isn't to say that you know it's still entirely safe to go out with your mask off because um god knows i um i just have noticed in general uh people seem way more lax about it now which is like yeah i mean i understand why it's getting warmer you know um the case numbers are going down but i i just i i just beg of you to keep 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 the keep the caution up right um if <laughs> if not for you then for those more vulnerable than you i just ask you to have a little bit of like human empathy or whatever but i mean i mean yeah whatever so the thing is um i hosted my parents for the first time and it went pretty well um we <laughs> it's funny um my roommates went to buy a drill a couple of like days ago and they came back with a with a grill they came back with like a barbecue um because they've Wait. been talking about wanting one for like <laughs> For, for ages like for months now right and we're like okay fine we'll just we'll get one when it's warmer um and every time they went to the hardware store for like a couple months they were just like we looked at the barbecues we looked at the barbecues they are very <laughs> tempting um but yeah uh that went well we made some steak and potatoes and some veggies and some salads uh-huh. and it was it was nice my grandparents came and uh my grandma brought me um two tubs of kimchi so Oh! We're, we're gonna be eating that for the rest of time, but that's okay. 
because that's the taste of home, baby. I don't think it'll last till the end of time. It's oh, kimchi. I mean, they're pre- they're pretty <laughs> big though. Like we will have to put some work in to eat that, you know. But it's good. <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, it's just a lot. Like it takes up a lot of fridge space, you know. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think that is the majority of what I've I've been up to. I've been um kind of easing away from. Um, I, I think, I think I finally, my brain has finally lost interest in, uh, reading, like, lots and lots of manga, so now I'm, like, kind of back to my normal schedule of, you know, um, getting some work done here and there, playing some video games here and there, um, uh, and that, uh-huh. you know, that feels nice, right? It feels yeah. like I'm back to normal. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, that was productive. Uh, I, I certainly good. needed that recharge time. Mm-hmm. Um, we all need that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty much it, I think. Okay. I think that's all I've been up to, really. What have you been up to? Uh, I went to SakuraCon. Yeah. Um, that was huge. So you yeah. did. Yeah, it was my first... I think it was my first convention of this, of this year, of our the year of Valor 2022. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was, for circumstances, completely outside of the convention... Okay. The most stressful and I almost want to say awful time I've ever had trying okay. to be at a convention. Oh no. Um, again, like 1000% not at all to do with the convention whatsoever, right? The convention itself okay. fantastic. Um but I'll just I'll just start off cuz this is going to be a little bit of a of a of a thing. Yeah, take um, me on a journey. Take me on a journey. Uh, well, okay, journey so we're hear. So I and uh, our friend Cole were going to fly out together um, because we were sharing um, a table together mm-hmm. a Thursday evening, and that would um, land us at in Seattle, Washington, which is where Sakura Khan is located, um, sure. past midnight. It was a late night flight, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we checked the flight times throughout the day just to you know be safe and make sure everything is Gucci. Um, and it was projected to be delayed by an hour. And so we were like, okay, well, we'll, um, you know, we'll get our things together, you know, that kind of thing. We'll make sure the cats are all set, all, all this stuff. And so we're in the, uh, we got a lift to go to the airport. And while I'm in the car, I check the flight time again, just to be safe. Um, okay. and it changed. And in fact, the delay was canceled. <gasps> and oh. so we were literally, based on our trajectory, like our ETA with the lift, going to arrive at the airport um, essentially right before the flight was going to close and, and, and leave, right? Like we uh-huh. would not, ha- like even if we got through security on time, they wouldn't have been able to put our luggage on the plane in time, like that kind of situation, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, we go to, we decide to finish, the, we, we decide to just finish off the trip to the airport rather than turning around or whatever. Um, and uh, we go and ask for, you know, the attendant's help and they were able to book us onto the next flight in the morning because initially they were saying that they wouldn't be able to get us into Seattle until 9 p.m. the next day, like Friday evening, but the convention starts uh-huh. Friday morning at nine a- at uh, 10 a.m. 
Right, um, yeah. And we had set up at, you know, 7.30 a.m. And so we were like, no, that's... Well, Cole was like, no, that's not going to work, he, you know. And so we were able to... Thankfully, they were able to get us onto a flight at that would get us into Seattle at 10.30 a.m. But obviously, mm-hmm. that's past artist alley setup but it's also it was the earliest flight that they had to get into seattle right right and so we just had to deal and and take that and then um we were given like the suggestion that whenever a flight is delayed to always show up for the original time even if it's delayed by several hours just show up at the original time anyway because you never know (laughs) when a flight is going to have its delay yeah, potentially canceled, right. right? Even though we checked throughout the day and we even checked before we left and I just happened to check again while we were on the way there, but it's fine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, just word to the wise for anyone listening who hasn't been through this. God. Uh, so we end up um, getting home, um, I think around... 10 30 in the evening but because our flight was so early the next morning um we ended up getting maybe like five ish hours of sleep before we had to leave at like Oof. yeah 3 30 ish in the the next morning right, um yeah. so thankfully that part goes well we already had our stuff packed so we basically just had to pass out and then get up on time and then go <laughs> um and uh let's see we get on our flight everything's cool we eat at the uh at our layover in denver because we had um i think like an hour layover in denver mm-hmm. so we were able to like grab basically breakfast and ah denver yes <laughs> the, Den- the denver airport the great connecting spot of all of america god right? bless your service denver airport with your weird blue horse <laughs> that's only if you leave the airport do you see the blue horse with the devil eyes <laughs> i think I've, i think i've seen it once but i've definitely connected through denver a couple of times <laughs> but just knowing that it exists in your proximity is just like a little distressing, isn't it? Yes, yes. I try not to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we had breakfast in Denver, and then we continued on our flight to Seattle. We got to Seattle fine, thankfully. Um, but the thing is, is that since we missed the setup time, we um, we contacted Artist Alley about like everything that happened right um, beforehand. Mm-hmm. And they gave us permission to thankfully set up, but the problem is that we couldn't set up our uh, large photo display in the back um, because they were worried about the safety of the attendees and and stuff like that. So we were like, okay, that's Mm -hmm. fine as long as we can, you know, uh, set up something. And they were like, yeah, just all the stuff on the table, right? So we were good with that. Um, As soon as we got there, um, uh, let's see. Well, actually... (laughs) Leaving the airport, um, I uh, contacted an, or I called another lift, right? However, this lift, even though he was in a sedan, which was basically the same thing that we took um, on the way to the airport in Houston, okay. um, this guy was trying to fight us on not taking us because we had a ton of luggage. However, because oh. we had already, you know, taken a lift that was the same size, um 
to the airport initially right. anyway. Yeah. We were like, we like know, you, you know, it fits. Fit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we knew for a fact it would fit. And the guy tried to argue with us and tell us that we needed to order a larger lift. And we were, we basically kind of out insisted him. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> or like, like Cole definitely, Cole, no, Cole put his foot down. I, sh- I should give all the yeah. credit to him. I, I was push I, over. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm imagining this sequence right yes. now. And, yes. <laughs> and like you and I absolutely. Yes. We would yes. have like folded, right? Yeah, no, like, we would have buckled like a house of cards. And <laughs> Cole like, was okay, like, it's, "No, it's fine. he is. He's the anchor." And so he he was like, "No, no, we're we we will fit <laughs> into this yeah, car." Yeah, right. And so, um, and lo and behold, we did, and there was no problem uh, yeah, of with course. us fitting in the car whatsoever, right? And so the guy gets us to the convention center. We walk up. And what we didn't know is that the convention is actually split between two buildings. And we went to the one that was full of the panel rooms. And Artist Alley was still a block away. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's like a block difference? Yeah. Well, it's like, it's technically, it doesn't look like it because it's a short block. But it is like across the street and diagonal from the convention hall. Right. And so Mm -hmm. you can tell like what two buildings it is because... Um, they're clearly labeled, and you can see a bunch of weebs like flowing back and forth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we did drag all of our luggage there, right? And so we had to drag all of our luggage all the way over to the other building. And so that was oh. just a huge pain because we had to mill through the crowds of people who were there for the convention and also across the street and traffic and stuff like that. And so yeah. we're, <laughs> we're already tired by the time we get there, and we have to... Go to the artist alley, which thankfully is is right there at the entrance of the building. However, um, we had to go and pick up our badges, and this wouldn't have been a problem if we had gotten there during the setup time because there wouldn't necessarily have been nearly as long of a line, right? Because people mm-hmm. don't necessarily go there at like seven thirty in the morning to go pick up a badge or whatever. Right. Yeah. However, the problem at this convention is that rather than them providing you your Artist Alley badges at Artist Alley, which other conventions do, they have you go into the general line. And so we are they they give us permission to leave our luggage there at at Artist Alley. Um however, we have to go into the general line and it like let me tell you about a zigzaggy line, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. It zigs and zags throughout this entire hall. (laughs) We are in that line for two hours. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) And my goodness, we end up finally getting our badges at at 1.30 p.m. Get our stuff set up as quickly as we can at our table. And um, we, it's so busy at the convention, you know, which is nice um, in terms of sales. However, it's so busy that people are literally trying to buy things while we're setting up. And we never actually even finished setting up the first day <laughs> because oh my we were God. so busy making sales. <laughs> I mean, wow. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that- <laughs> the, the stuff at the convention, I mean, aside from like the line, the, the badge collection issue, which again, isn't their fault. It's like, it's more like 
it is something that they could resolve, and I hope that they maybe change in the future, but mm-hmm. it's something that we could have avoided if we had been there at the actual setup time, right? So I can't yeah, fault yeah, the yeah. convention for that. Um, and so in terms of like us being at Artist Alley, the sales were phenomenal because it was that busy, right? Um, and so we... Uh, let's say, okay, so around 4 p.m., I'm uh, me and Cole are both are getting we're we're starving, right? Because mm-hmm. neither of us has had, had has been able to pick up food because we were so busy and trying to get our table set up, and we haven't eaten since eight a.m. And so, well, eight a.m. Denver time, so it's even more. Yeah, anyway, right, of course, um, yeah. And we're of course also exhausted because in terms of Seattle local time, we've been up since one a.m. Right, because we were up at three in 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 Houston. Uh, and so we were extremely tired, extremely hungry, and um, I have a friend there who ended up being able to sign up as a volunteer at the convention, and so mm-hmm. I contact him like basically because he had asked like if there was anything he could do to help us, um, and so I was like, can you please like, could you please spare us some food? <laughs> could you please bring us some food? That would be amazing. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, yeah, of course. And I was like, thank you. And so. <laughs> That was at four. I want to say almost four thirty, right? That I I end up asking him, because because I was like I was so hungry I was shaking, right? And I was like I can't put together little keychains and things like that and and hand out sales like this like very effectively when my hands are shaking, right? Um, yeah. And so it's not until six p.m. when the artist alley closes that this man shows up with the food. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. <laughs> I was like beyond hangry and I didn't I was upset but I also because he showed up with the food I didn't want to be an a-hole and be like right, exactly. you were late right <laughs> and so I I don't know how I came off at that point because I was also very tired and you know very busy with the customers and so I'm hoping I didn't come off as a jerk but I was extremely mm-hmm. hangry as well and so um uh, he was generous enough to get us like little kebabs and hummus and little pita bread and stuff like that. Um, and so we had a little bit of a snack. And then after that, we end up going to dinner. Um, once we finished setting up our table, <laughs> it was yep. like uh, 7.30 p.m. by that point because we took some time to actually finish setting everything up. Um, after hours and then go to dinner and then we go to the hotel and they cannot find our reservation <laughs> oh no and i'm just standing oh there I'm, I'm just so done and no I'm just like please please we just every every step of the way this has been a struggle right I will I will take full responsibility in the fact that there were things that like every like there were things that could have been avoided obviously on our part that that could have mm-hmm. made this a lot easier. However, by this point like we had we were just done, right? With with everything that had happened. And so the fact that they couldn't find our hotel reservation on top of that was just, just, just the icing, right? <laughs> right, of course. Um However, thankfully, thankfully, they were able to get us a room because they uh, 
the the guy who was helping us asked his manager and then she asked her manager and then that person was able to find our reservation by looking into a different category of like reservations apparently the reservation oh had been God. canceled because we hadn't showed up Thursday evening right because we missed oh, our flight oh yeah and so they canceled it and labeled us as no shows um but because we did technically book with them and they did technically have my payment, um, uh -huh. they were able to like uh, get us a room, right? Um, and so what the the lady was saying basically what they should have done was was change the date on it rather than like completely cancel it, like you know that kind of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so thank goodness <laughs> we were able to <laughs> wow. get our room. Um, Oh, I, I I I misordered things. So we went to our room to drop off our luggage and to then go to dinner, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so after that we go to dinner. Um, I go with uh my my friend who was volunteering at the convention. Cole goes with uh his friend who was tabling. So we go to separate dinners, right? Um, and I completely forget that this is a thing, but I put my hotel key card in my wallet. However, my wallet is sandwiched with my phone. <laughs> and okay. so while I was at dinner, um, the key card got demagnetized due to proximity okay. with my phone. Yeah, I was afraid yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, right. And so when I go to the hotel and I try to get in my room, I can't get in. And I was like, oh, oh no. And so I go to the lobby. I change out the key cards. That part was so super easy, whatever. Um go back to my room um i text cole that this had happened and so there's a a chance you know that our key card that his key card won't work and um i hop into the shower apparently while i was in the shower cole comes back oh, and no. his key card doesn't work and oh, he's trying no. to knock on the door but i'm in the shower so i can't hear him and <laughs> i don't I, oh, I think ac across the hall from uh, so he so f first of all he was he was totally content with just waiting until I came out of the shower because I don't shower for that long right? I'm not like mm -hmm. someone who stays in there for like an hour or whatever um, he was content to wait but then there were these people who were rooming like diagonally across the hall from us who like accost him essentially oh my god. <laughs> Like, hey, dude, what's wrong? You know, like they're trying to get up in his business about stuff, oh, and he's no. like, oh, oh no. no, my my roommate's in. She's in the shower. I'm just waiting for her, and it's everything's cool. And they're like, oh, okay, well, like, do you want to come in while you're waiting? And he's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, holy shit. But, but they're so insistent, and Cole is so oh intimidated. Like he like <laughs> like. Like he starts like kind of like he's trying to buy time for me to right, get right. out of the shower, <laughs> oh right? <my> and so <laughs> he like is kind of like very slowly like inching towards their their door, like oh, like you. Oh my like, god! Like, like, like you, they're they're this trying. Is, they're... <laughs> I I think this this is like listen. I I appreciate you know this somewhat is like um a humanity affirming moment and you know people being nice or whatever but also like one there's still a pandemic on and two you can't expect someone to agree to go into a stranger's hotel room 
right? <laughs> like, yeah. no matter how nice you seem, like, if you do that, that's how you get your organs harvested. I know. It's so right? bizarre. <laughs> and and this is the clincher, right? Is that when, when he had taken maybe, like, three little half steps toward their room, the guy who had offered him to come into the room and was so insistent about it was suddenly just suddenly turned on a dime and flipped a switch and was just like yo what are you doing don't come into our room that's weird what <laughs> what <laughs> wait what <laughs> oh my I know. god I know. and so cole was like oh, oh, oh okay <laughs> all right man and so cool. he like <laughs> so he backs away from their room and then they all I think it was like three of them. They file back into their room. They close the door. And then Cole could hear through the door one of the guys asking the guy that was so insistent, like, yo, why did you invite him to our room and then tell him not to come in? And <laughs> why were, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and then at that point, Cole was like banging on our door like, Renu! Renu, let me in! I don't want to die out here! Thankfully, by that point, I could hear him. Um, uh-huh. And so then I come out, I like, like I stop my shower because I could hear him. And then I like, I'm like in the towel, and then I <laughs> go out because I get, and I open the door. I'm like, yo, hey, hey what's wrong? And he's like, he's like nervously glancing between me and the door, and I I don't understand why because I had no idea what just happened. He's like. You, you cover up get, you know and I was like what get it, get it, and what's wrong and I was kind of like trying to look past him I was like is is someone there and then he was like turning back to the their their closed door thankfully they were they hadn't come back out and he was like um I'm 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 good she answered the door I'm going inside now <laughs> and, and I'm so confused I'm like who's there oh my god <laughs> And so he comes in and then, you know, uh, you know, he tells me a little story. I was like, oh, geez, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah. um, That was Friday. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, We get some sleep and then Saturday morning. (laughs) It doesn't end. Right. Saturday morning. Oh. Um, Cole goes to the convention to help get us, like, ready for the convention. I end up going to go grab breakfast. So I try to go to this little cafe that's near the hotel because I wanted to get something really quick and just go to the convention. Um, I go to this little cafe. It's, like, in this, inside a building with a main lobby, which was a little bit strange. And Mm -hmm. it's tucked away in a little room. And so I go in, and it's just one lady working. And she was just like, I'm sorry, it's going to take like half an hour for me to make your breakfast sandwich. And I was like, oh, oh no. my God. <laughs> and so I just buy like a like a bottled water and whatever um, and leave. And so I saw a Subway that, had, was, that was next to the cafe. I was like, I'll just go to Subway. It's, you know, whatever. I just want some food before we go. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, Subway, it, I was... <laughs> I got there at 9.57 a.m. and Subway opens at 10 a.m. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll wait like three minutes. No big deal. What could happen in three minutes? Oh, no. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) That's okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So I'm 
standing outside of Subway. I'm on my phone, just browsing Discord or Twitter or whatever. And I start hearing a voice <laughs> across the street. Oh, and it's this man who is very clearly homeless and uh, perhaps like mentally unwell. Um, and he's just screaming into the sky, and I don't quite understand what he's saying, but but the general gist is that he has been prejudiced and wronged in some kind of way, and he was screaming into the sky about it, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, people were just trying to go about their day and not address him or, or anything like that, and he was clearly fine with not being addressed, you know? He, and so he's the problem is that he's across the street, and he starts walking into the middle of the road, and he's still screaming into the sky, and traffic just kind of like it, it's it's slow enough that they can just kind of move around him, you know. But he's just mm-hmm. it's out in the middle of the road doing this, right. and so eventually he makes his way to the side of the road that I'm on, and he starts walking towards me, and Uh-oh. so I was like, oh no! And so since subway isn't open yet, I decide to kind of backtrack towards the cafe. Um, and the problem is that the cafe, like I said, was in this building that had a main lobby. And so in front of the main lobby door, there's like this short little alleyway, right? Uh And so I duck into the little alleyway. He follows me into the alleyway. Oh, no. And so I... I look at him and I see that he's cut from basically my right side to my left side, right? And unfortunately, the door is to my left. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, crap, I can't I can't go in there because now he's in the way, right? And so at this point, I'm like, fight or flight. I, I, I lock eyes with this man and I give him the look of <laughs> the, the look that says, if you mess with me, you will regret it. <laughs> The look of a cornered prey animal. This is all I could. Yeah, he put me into a corner, right? And so it's. <laughs> and so at that moment, he stopped yelling, right? I saw, I saw a look of clarity in his mm-hmm. eyes when I locked eyes with him and gave him this death glare, essentially, right? So he stopped, he shut his mouth, he stopped like ranting. And so then I cut to his re- to to my right, his left, where he had left that open space, and then I book it up to past subway up to a hotel that I I could see there was security outside, and mm-hmm. I just wait there for the the remainder of how many couple of minutes that I had left until subway opened, and thankfully, the guy didn't follow me right, <laughs> after <yeah>. that. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Once 10 a.m. hit, as soon as 10 a.m. hit, I went to Subway and the the lady was like literally unlocking the door and then I bust in (laughs) and I get my sandwich. (laughs) At least I just wanted my stupid sandwich for breakfast. Um, It was very good. The sandwich, okay. yeah. it felt well yeah. earned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I feel like um, there are a couple of things that uh, improve your eating experience. Um, definitely, hunger obviously is the best spice. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. One of them is uh, overcoming hardship. I would say, yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've definitely experienced such, such a thing as well. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, thankfully, the rest of the weekend, for the most part, I would say went well okay <laughs> after all right that. yeah 
just a very, very hard Friday and Saturday morning to deal with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would imagine. Um, it is uh, one of those things. I don't know how, um, how much you experience this uh, in the, uh, uh, Yol, Yol, Texas, Yol, Tejas. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm I'm fairly certain that the um the cities are just laid out in a much broader way, um, mm. whereas cities like Seattle and San Francisco are much smaller, much 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 narrower. Right? Mm. It's a lot easier to get kind of like corralled in. Um, yeah, and, I was I was shocked at how quickly it happened. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it it I mean obviously it's it's kind of unfortunate um Seattle is uh a c- city with which San Francisco has much kinship um one aspect of which uh, of course is is the homeless population mm-hmm. um but yeah uh, there there is uh, obviously you know um I hope that man gets that's the help he needs uh, of course yeah I don't I don't personally like I didn't want to like report him to the police or anything like right, that. And I didn't exactly. even tell security about him because it's he he was clearly like there were a lot of problems that he yeah 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 you, you just know. you just like don't want to get cornered um, yeah no by, I was shocked that he followed me and cornered me like like I was content to just you know stand there and wait for my sandwich and not you know but the fact that he tried to approach me and I was like okay well I don't like that I'm gonna move away and then he followed me. Mm-hmm. And cornered yeah. me. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, it it cannot be overstated how uh, how fucking harrowing it is to to live as a woman um, in these streets. You know, <laughs> you, like, you just never know. I you know? Yeah, no, no. I was. I definitely gave him the look. Like I might be a lady, but I will ruin your day if you try and corner me like this. <laughs> right. Like this is this is very close to becoming like an Ace Attorney case. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that sounds absolutely terrifying. That sounds harrowing. Um, your entire journey sounds like it was um, very stressful. I, I think some of my worst experiences have also been uh, dealing with flights and specifically oh, really? mm-hmm. the timing of flights. I mm-hmm. <laughs> like delays are just one of those things that I like. Um, I feel like if they delay something, they shouldn't undelay it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like if um, it's like uh, where um, if a bus shows up like late, it should still you know leave as soon as it's it's there. But if a bus shows up early, it shouldn't also leave early, right? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like I I would have been okay with the delay if they had sent out a notification like at some point like ahead of time, being like, hey, we canceled the delay. But the fact that we didn't receive any kind of notification and the only reason we even learned about it was because we checked while we were on the way to the airport that it was actually right, yeah they canceled the delay we had no way of you know basically knowing that the time had changed again and so i feel like the only people who probably made that flight were people who you know already knew to go there like at the regular scheduled time rather than the delay time right well, I mean, it's probably people who, uh, most likely, people who were um, who were like transferring, like, using it as a connecting oh, flight or something, right? That's true too. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I one hundred percent agree with you there. That is that that's terrifying and bad and shitty. Um, yes, I in general, I think you should still go at, at the time you would have gone yeah. for your earlier flight. Um, right. Obviously, you've you've learned such a thing. Um, right. 
but also just like it's a oh god airplane airlines are such bullshit Do you know what i mean like um <laughs> there was that there was that um really kind of upsetting tweet uh recently it was a video of an airline where the the like um flight attendant or the um the pilot was like um this is the the greatest uh, announcement that i'll ever get to make in my career but the mask mandate has been lifted and you may remove your oh, mask yeah, if you could, right yeah, and it's uh-huh. like the like really upsetting smug energy of the pilot and then the people fucking cheering like i it's like staring into the ghoulish center of society and just seeing like a bunch of people who just like don't give a shit Right. And like the thing is that um, at the end of the day, like part of this problem does also have to do with, you know, the the sort of structures. Right. People always talk about like, oh, we need a culture shift. But whenever people say that, it just means we don't really want to do anything about the problem. Right. It's like right. there are systemic solutions to this problem that um, we're just not going to address. We're just going to blame the people for being not not as good as they should be. Right. Mm-hmm. And like. To a certain extent, it's true that, like, if if everybody could unilaterally agree to be nice to each other, right, to be mm-hmm. kind and considerate of each other, yes, that, that would be pretty great. But, like, also the structures and everything that's kind of set up um, around people is, is what makes them that way, right, is what makes them not have the uh, the patience to be considerate or kind or understanding of other people. Like, in many ways, people just kind of, like, you know, they're just trying to get through life and they're watching out for themselves and that's the way that they've always had it because nobody else, you know, no structures have ever had their back. There's never been a social safety net that's been, like, robust enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, there's a lot that airlines could do and one of them is probably not not letting people take their masks off in the middle of a flight. Like, I was promised a masked flight and um, you are really betraying that promise to me. Right, you know, <laughs> at least wait till you're on the fucking ground, man. I mean, uh, that aside, like, airlines are doing so much wrong all the time, right? They mm-hmm. fly so many empty flights with, uh, with like nobody on them because nobody really wants to, to travel. They're understandably a little bit wary about it right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're still flying the flights to keep on schedule, which like is just like absolutely inane to me because there's flights being delayed and stuff because they don't have enough fucking flight attendants because uh, your entire work staff got sick with COVID. <laughs> Could it be the masks that you ask people to take off? Like, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, flying is kind of a shit show. It is like pretty much a huge shame that it is the way that it is, um, and that it is our primary mode of transportation across long distances, uh in like domestically like it would be nice if we could just take trains everywhere and that was like super viable because like um bullet and, train <laughs> yeah right like that that's the thing right is that like um i feel like i have garnered somewhat of a reputation for being the train freak right i'm just like <laughs> i want i want like mass rails in america right and obviously there are you know um there's politics around rails like whose neighborhood gets railed over like what protected areas do you have to put rails down over right it's not necessarily like perfectly practical but at the same time, like, it is so much better for the environment and for people to have a lot of trains than to have a lot of uh, planes and cars, which isn't to say we shouldn't have those things. In many ways, those things represent freedom for certain people. But you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way that we treat cars in our society and um, also just whatever the fuck is going on with airlines. Like, I, I feel like every... <laughs> 
every couple months you get a, a horrifying story from airlines, yeah. right? Yep, yep, like yep. <laughs> right when the, the pandemic started, it was all the airlines were like, oh, um, so everyone got COVID because we don't clean shit. <laughs> My God. Right? And then, like, you know, a couple couple um, uh, months later, you know, the airlines are just like, um, yeah, so um, a, a racist may have punched out a guy on an airplane. <laughs> um, oops. <laughs> right? It's like that. It's like that kind of stuff where, like, um, airlines are, like, kind of the worst. Airline companies are, like, kind of the worst. Right? They provide a valuable service, obviously, one that cannot easily be replaced. But, like, my God, are they kind of the worst. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad that you were able to work that out and get where you needed to go. Um, I, I have definitely been in the situation of, like, having to, like, run for connecting flights because they oh, decided yeah. to, like, move up or down the schedule. And it's, like, that's always such bullshit, too, where it's just, like, oh, yeah, my connecting flight was late, so I'm, like, I can't get on on um, the flight to my next destination, right? It's, like, they are sort of, um, they work, they operate under this, like, hairpin assumption of, like, everything is going to work perfectly all the time. Right, it is, yeah. Right? It's, it is the exact same thing that our, like, uh, food supply chain has been going through. You know, we've had the supply chain disruptions mm -hmm. recently. Um, and it's, like, it's the exact same deal, right? We just don't build redundancies into our system, and it causes problems for a lot of people. But it, it doesn't matter because they make a lot of, a lot of money by not investing in those things. Um, Redundancies are expensive. <sighs> so they are. I mean, I, listen. If you invented airlines today, we would absolutely have like no laws surrounding smoking on airplanes. People would still be smoking on airplanes. Right? <laughs> and um, this is an interesting thing because airlines do understand redundancies, right? That's why they have cigarette ashtrays on airplanes, even though you're not allowed to smoke on them, right? Mm -hmm. Because you aren't allowed to smoke on them, but if you do manage to get a cigarette up there, like you shouldn't be throwing it willy nilly. So they still have <laughs> them just in yeah. case, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, enough about my my rant about American transportation. Do you want to talk <laughs> about Umi Bay no Etranger? Oh, so much better. <laughs> okay, Umi Bay no Etranger, or Stranger by the Shore, is an anime film adaptation of Kaneki's BL manga. L'étranger de la plage, plague, plague, plage, plage. I don't know. The French is French is beyond me, and I'm not even gonna pretend. Like I can't even like do that thing where I would like pretend like I'm like over pronouncing it. I just like I just can't. I I'm really bad at French. Um, I <laughs> now that I think about it, I probably should have looked up how this was pronounced. But like I was expecting to review a. Japanese um, BL media piece and not like a French one, right? <laughs> but anyway, um, it was animated by Studio Hibari and directed by Akio Ohashi. Um, Plage. And uh, yeah, <laughs> this it, this movie was shorter than I thought it would be. Um, oh, it, it was way shorter than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like I, I walked into it and I was like, okay, I'm going to be here for like 90 minutes or whatever, right? right? Um, yeah. 90 minutes, two hours, however long an anime movie is nowadays. Um, I think they usually are averaging probably around like uh, an hour, 20 minutes. But I walked in and I saw this and, and it was like, this movie is, is 58 minutes and that's including credits, right? So I was like, <laughs> okay, this is sub one hour. Sure, why not? Um... It is about a gay novelist living in Okinawa um, after he was estranged by his parents, you know, for being gay. Um, 
as one does in Japanese society. Like, <laughs> this, this is um, this is actually really funny. Um, I'll, I'll talk about this in a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, it's and and also about a boy named Mio who um, whose mom who's like he was a, a child of a, a single mother. Um, I don't know what the backstory there is. Maybe you do. Um, but she has recently passed away, and he's still in high school, and he's dealing with that grief. Um, but the movie isn't really about that because, like, that that basically gets resolved in like ten minutes, right? Like the opening of the movie <laughs> happens, and then we get like a like a, a four year time skip or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's like a three year time skip. Uh huh. And then he comes back. Um, so Mio basically uh, transfers to an orphanage on the mainland. Um, which you know, obviously, uh, Okinawa is like an island. Um, off of off of the coast of Japan, right? It's a part of Japan technically. There's a lot of uh specific politics surrounding um like one the way that japanese mainlanders um relate to okinawans um if you want kind of a a pretty easy analog it's kind of similar to the way that americans treat hawaii right Mm -hmm. um in many ways in like really specifically like similar ways um because also uh, on Okinawa is a huge American military base, um, or at mm. least or a couple of military bases. It's like the American point of military contact in um, in East Asia, really, like um, in general. Um, also, also South Korea, but you know that's a whole other can of worms that we'll just sort of shove back into the worm box <laughs> <laughs> for for the for the time being. Um, but yeah. He goes off to the mainland. He comes back three years later to profess his love for for uh, Old Shun, our our game uh, novelist. And it the movie is primarily just kind of about their like relationship and how it uh, how it kind of evolves. It because it is shorter um, is more like a series of vignettes than it is one like cohesive like deep dive story. Um, it's pretty it's if i wouldn't say it's bare bones but it feels very like um very concise uh, yeah. if mm-hmm. i were to put it in any way mm-hmm. um but they're you know it's two bad two boys and it's a bl so they kiss uh, and then they fuck and um <laughs> there is some there's some uh, stuff like some conflict emotions about you know being gay and all that kind of stuff it's uh, you know, we we I was gonna say we as a culture, but also like Japan as a culture largely has um a lot of hang ups still around the societal non acceptance of gay people. Obviously it has somewhat changed over here, except depressingly, I feel like we're kind of backsliding recently, um stateside. But you know, in Japan it's still for the most part like illegal, right, to get married. Mm-hmm. Um to someone of the same sex there's a lot of shenanigans about um marriage uh certificates and um uh like uh, transitioning if you're if you're transgender and um there's a lot of just like weird stuff around that um in good in like sort of uh maybe like uplifting news right um there are a lot of provinces uh, in japan like local governments that are willing to recognize um gay partnerships um mm. in similar ways that uh, um the united states before we had um uh before we had the uh uh 
laws right repealed around like not about gay people not being able to get married had like you know uh, partnerships and that kind of stuff so it's a step forward um and that's definitely something to acknowledge obviously um at the same time being like you know let's burn down society baby (laughs) (laughs) um so how did you how did you feel about this movie? Because it seems um, from what, what conversations we've had before that you uh, are familiar with the source material. Um, I've never read it. I've only watched the movie. Yeah. Um. So for me, having read the manga and then watched the movie, I feel like, like I guess, like general summary of uh, my experience with the movie now is that. I'm kind of glad that I read the manga first. And so I think mm-hmm. general consumption wise is that might be the preferred way to to consume these two works like the right the manga yeah. and then the movie adaptation because for me I enjoyed the movie because I could see um Kikana's artwork, you know, come to life in a way mm-hmm. that I wasn't really expecting because her artwork as really really fine and detailed line art and it's mm-hmm. so like like she's so detailed and and packs the uh each panel with with so much like life um that I was really uh curious to see how the anime would portray that um uh her art style is probably one of my favorite you know manga styles out there because it's just so oh expressive yeah. right you you're, yeah you could probably see I, it now um yeah 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 no i've, yeah. I've de- i also definitely remember you mentioning this before yeah 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 um and it's it's like like her style and then also like clamp style they're both styles mm-hmm. of of work that i feel like are generally kind of hard to transition over to anime because it's it's a lot of broken lines it's a lot of like stylistic line choices like that kind of thing um and so i was actually pretty pleased with the way they focused on um the visual direction for this film because they really tried very hard to kind of replicate that that feeling of her manga um um but i guess like in terms of the story I would say that obviously the film tries to end off on a pretty good stopping point for right you know, where where it is right. I think if they went into the next part, it would have made the film probably too long than than what they had the budget for. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- the next part is also like I was telling you after we watched the the film is that it the next part is where the story really takes off. Um, yeah, that the, was that was kind of the yeah. vibe I got too. Yeah, yeah. The this what the film covers is the part of the story that lays out all the groundwork, right? Which is what you expect for the beginning of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's that's where the film leaves off, and so it doesn't feel like a full complete story because it's all groundwork, basically establishing their relationship, how they get together, and then the main themes of the story are also kind of being slowly introduced, but they really like come into like like a cohesive like nice like mosaic in the next part of the story right where you get to actually meet you know shun's family and and how a lot of conflicts from his past and also some things that mio is dealing with they all just everything just kind of comes to a head and and um so 
I would say if you are going to be introduced into the story, and I highly recommend that you do if you like really soft BL stories. Soft <laughs> um, boys. Um, about boys. But also, it's. I would say that um, even though the focus of the first part of the story is about their relationship, the overall message of the story is about family and found family dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mio doesn't have, you know, uh, like his, his family is, is all deceased. Um, Shun is estranged from his family, and then in the next part, he tries to reconnect with them. Um, you'll also find out in the next part of the story that his parents, like this is spoilers, um, uh-huh, have adopted right. um, a child, and it's because this child didn't have anywhere else to go. And so there's an, also like another aspect of like found family slash slash mm-hmm. adoptive family dynamics there, and it explores all of these different types of dynamics so well. Um, so uh, that's one one of my favorite reasons for um, enjoying this this, this um, manga. Um, and I do hope that maybe they end up maybe one day animating the another another part of the story. But if they don't, then the manga still exists and it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I f- that's okay. So the general vibe that I got while watching it was that yeah. this was primarily for fans of the manga to be able mm-hmm. to watch some of some of the scenes that they like uh animated right 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 because it is gorgeous yeah and yeah i i 100 agree um i was primarily very impressed with the the visual aspects of the mm-hmm. of the movie right it translates that art style in a way that actually like works the mm-hmm. um animation is like super super good it is there's a lot of care and attention paid into um kind of capturing um uh, like you said the um soft kind of flowing lines and mm-hmm. the very like deliberate feelings and i think in in general um i would say that the uh the directing of the anime was mm. really really good yeah because mm-hmm. um and i have no idea how much of this takes from the paneling of the the original manga but um, at least to me, I, it was very easy to intuit how, uh, like, where the characters were emotionally, how they were feeling, right, um, mm-hmm. by the framing of them um, on the screen, mm-hmm. which is, you know, something that I think um, people don't appreciate as much, right, because um, a lot of times when you want to um, uh, convey an emotion, right, in a, in a piece of televised media or, or a movie, right, what you will do is you will use the expressions on somebody's face or in the case of like an animation, you'll like animate someone's face in a, in a certain way um, mm-hmm. or you'll you'll have it be in writing, right? People don't pay as much attention to the, the directing or the camera work because it's supposed to be invisible in a way. You're not supposed to be cognizant of it. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say this, this movie does a really great job. Um, it feels very... So while it feels very like um, like you're watching a lot of vignettes, it still feels really grounded, and I think that that has a lot to do with the way that it's directed. Yes, um, mm-hmm. you never feel like you're super lost, right? Even though mm-hmm. some things feel kind of abrupt, like when three years suddenly passes, and you're supposed <laughs> yeah. to, you're just supposed to understand that three years have passed, and Shun looks exactly the same. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> But then you get the actual like physical growth of of Mio when he shows up, and that's supposed to signal it to you. And it honestly, you know, in a way, it kind of makes sense because like 
Um, in that time, Mio has like grown into his own own person. It's all developments we see off. We don't see it's all off screen, which is yeah. like kind, of a, kind of a bummer <laughs> because it seemed pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie, but um, whatever. Yeah. I don't know if they go into it in the manga, but um, that it happens just like that in the manga. But okay, they all right. Do, they do. They do talk about more of what happens in the manga, like afterward. Um. But the thing is, is that they do introduce one part of what he was up to okay. in the movie, yeah. um, which was uh, when he goes, when he's on his, uh, I guess, like his delivery job, mm-hmm. and he meets um, the person who uh, gives him um, their business card about their bar and stuff like that, when Mio was mm-hmm. saying that, I confessed to a guy and... Uh, <laughs> That Do you was like that guys? was okay. Yeah, I was gonna say that was <laughs> yeah. Loki, my my favorite character in the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. So that character doesn't get introduced there. They they get introduced like much later on when they when Mio finally explains what he was up to during that three year time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, oh, okay. what he was up to was learning about gay culture. Um. <laughs> oh, okay. That yeah. that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. is that is the vibe I got, and that is something that I'm gonna mm-hmm. put a pin in for right now. But I do want to yeah. talk about, um, which is um the the gay stuff, right? Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. I think that um in general the the directing was like really really solid, and mm-hmm. also um there is a lot to be said about the uh choice of putting it. And like presenting it to us and having it be um, chronological for the most part, but there's a couple of pieces that we don't necessarily get. Um, like you said, uh, we don't. Uh, I guess in the manga they don't explain what what Mia was up to in those years until like a little bit later. Yeah. But I like mm-hmm. that they put that part in because it um, really connects that line between when he's like running away and he's like feeling you know hurt and uh, all these like emotions about Shun and. Um, Similarly, you get a um, another sequence where um, Shun is like running after him, right? Like right after, mm-hmm. and he um, is imagining and like remembering the trauma of um, when he was like remembering his like high school friends being like, "Oh my god, what if he's gay? Ha <laughs> ha, he's mm-hmm. gonna come after you or whatever," right? And like you know, those are very real struggles. Uh, those are very real things that um, one has to contend with when you are being uh, when you are gay in a not in a not gay accepting um society right mm-hmm. um but i like the way that those are like really like very juxtaposed against each other because it actually feels like it like ma- makes everything make sense you know in a way um mm-hmm. you know and it's like it's not like the hardest narrative trick in the book to be like okay here's a thing that's happening here's a flashback where he's imagining this and he's moving in a similar way but it's very effective <laughs> and it definitely works right it's a, it's a yeah, solid yeah, directing yeah, yeah. choice right yeah um, <laughs> it um it was it was good uh i mm-hmm. liked i liked the movie a lot um a lot of the movie was um just kind of these like soft familial moments where they're just vibing in Okinawa and they're like cooking food and they're eating food. And I think that's that's important. I think that I like that as an aspect of it because oh, you yeah. know, food is an important um Dude, piece there's of there's community. so much good food in this series overall. Yeah, like they later on. Oh god. They opened <laughs> with that scene where he's making the gyoza and yes, it was uh... like it was like I was back home with my grandmother because yes. like they they they, they, they lovingly crafted this scene 
and like he's putting the gyoza together and there's like just like little bits of stuffing like filling just kind of on <laughs> on the gyoza and it's like perfect right because that is exactly what it's like to be making yeah. gyoza and it's also like it's one of those things right where um i don't know if you had this experience growing up but at the very least i did because i came from a um a family that liked to eat dumplings right when you make Mm -hmm. dumplings it's like a family activity you are uh sitting there and you're all like kind of putting the dumplings together your grandma's making these like perfect little fold and you come here and you're just like i want to make a calzone (laughs) right (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah so um all of that stuff i really liked i loved the um the okinawa stuff in general uh, there mm. are a couple of like really mm. subtle details that you um, might not notice if you're not like really familiar with the with the Okinawa stuff. Um, one of them was at the very beginning uh, in the cafe. Somebody orders taco rice. If you don't know what taco rice is, it is actually exactly what it sounds like. It is American style taco meat, right? Which is like ground beef with okay. cumin in it, basically, uh-huh. right? It's like the uh-huh. stuff that's in Taco Bell tacos, uh-huh. right? And it's that. And, like, lettuce and sour cream and, um, like, diced tomatoes on top of rice, right? <laughs> and, the reason, and, and the reason this exists is pretty much exactly, I'm guessing, what, what you're assuming, which is yeah. that uh, when American soldiers were stationed in Japan after the war, um, they really wanted tacos, right? They really wanted, like, Mexican food, and they probably more specifically it was like the 1950s right they really wanted like that shitty like um like uh orville like uh hard corn taco with the like weird beef in it and there was no way they were gonna get you know the corn taco shell Uh um but the the starch that they had right was rice so they just put it over rice and it it caught on. It became a thing, like, you know, for the same reason that those, that fucking Taco Bell still exists, right? People want shitty food sometimes, you know? That is not at all how I thought that it Okay. <laughs> all right. I, I, was, I suppose I thinking, that's fair. I thought, I, in my mind, when, when you were bringing it up, I was like, oh, is this just like a modern trend thing that happened because of, you know, like, like Japan opening its borders? No, and no, no, no. Yeah. Like Western food traditions and they mix this, it with their own. This, this, this is like this is like one of those American imperialism things. Right. Like this is why this is why spam musubi exists. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you, uh, if you're at all familiar with, uh, with like, uh, uh, island culture, I guess, um, mm. of being an, of a, of being an island nation that is attached to a bigger nation that, uh, you know, pretty much forcibly, you know, uh, imperialized you or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like, um, and this is slightly different, but like, you know, the Philippines is like really similar. Um, but mm. yeah, that's why taco rice exists. So there you go. There's mm. your fun fact for the day. All right. Um, but it's funny because, uh, Okinawa exists for Japan as, um, primarily like a rural vacation spot, um, mm. in the same way that people conceptualize, uh, stateside, uh, Hawaii as, as that place. Right. And, right. 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 And, and like, you know, um, it kind of comes with all of that baggage too. Uh, if you've ever seen any, um, if you ever watch any media about um, about Okinawa, uh, you're probably at some point going to run into the politics of Okinawa. Uh, Yakuza Three is 
is like pretty much all about this. Oh, okay. Right? Because uh, he, because uh, uh, was it Kiryu starts an orphanage in um, uh, in Okinawa, and then uh, people are trying to get the the uh, rights to the land so that they can develop it and turn it into a hotel or another army base or whatever. That's like the central conflict is that uh, Kazuma Kiryu is just here trying to fucking make an orphanage for some kids, and the powers that be, right, the Japanese government being pressured by the American government, um, but also feeling anxieties about the, you know, economic declination of, of you know, your attached island, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's a fraught space for, for politics, but as a result, it kind of occupies this interesting place in the Japanese imagination um, that um, is a pretty broad like thing right um this is a very japanese thing but it's also a very western thing it happens in any uh hyper capitalized nation right capitalismed mm. um mm-hmm. but people want to uh in uh, like life happens so fast nowadays like modern living is so fast and so overwhelming for people that they long for the rule and i i say that modern life is but to be honest like it's kind of Human history has always kind of been like this. They've always longed for the rule. Like, they're fucking, like, Chinese, uh, like, court scholars who are like, ah, but to, but to be a farmer plowing the fields, I wish I could retire and do such a thing. Right? Yeah, and they all make all of stuff. these, like, paintings and poetry about... Right, one. exactly. <laughs> the the um, romanticization of the rule is mm-hmm. something that I've always been rather fascinated by. Um, mm. It was a, a subject uh, that I thought about a lot when I was thinking about, like, slice of life stuff. Um, and it is something that we are probably going to talk about again when we uh, do next month's episode. Um, little spoiler Oh, we will. That. Yeah, it's yeah, one of my exactly. favorite genres, I'd say, <laughs> is, right. is when they do it well. Um, <laughs> but Okinawa is, like, one of those places that, uh, places that people run away to, right? Like we got that yeah. with um uh Aquatope on the white sand, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um she like kind of runs away to Okinawa and she kind of finds a family there, right? It is it's this longing for a sense of community, right? Because Okinawa is is more rural, it feels more like a connected community. People know each other, people are friendly and happy and you know, it, it almost as if the concerns of modern life are not their concerns. And obviously that is not necessarily the case, right? That's a romanticization. People are worried about, right. I don't know, feeding their kids, right? Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> when you live in a system uh, that is uh, geared towards, you know, economic growth and inflation, um, certain ways of life are going to get destroyed. And uh, the way of life of, you know, a lot of these like island nations is, is, what is on the line here, right? A lot of the times, because they're like, well, like the economy isn't good, but we live in a capitalist society still, so we we gotta make money somehow. But <laughs> like, we're not sure if the way that we want to do that is by building like mega resorts for tourists, right? right? right. Tourism yeah. is one of those like really fraught things in general. One of those fraught concepts of like, um, essentially just just like, uh getting strangers to come in and like um like i don't know almost like look at you like you're a zoo animal right like this is what lilo and stitch is about right like lilo and stitch is about that kind of like um uh, 
that anti-tourist stance of like wanting mm -hmm. um, Hawaii for Hawaiians, right? Mm -hmm. And um, apparently, the original conception of the movie was that it was going to be more about that stuff. But then, yes. you know, they mm -hmm. they had to take some of that stuff out to be more yes. friendly. And you know, you you get the <laughs> idea, right? It's it's a whole point. Um, but yeah, so to kind of wrap that back around to to Umebino et Ranje, it's like. That that's kind of why Okinawa is here, right? For uh, for Shun, it's a place for him to run away to and find some semblance of belonging, um, and he does, right? Um, he is um, lodging here with uh, this like uh, with this caretaker who is like a, a restaurant owner. Um, she has like the the biggest like obas on energy, right? Um, <laughs> and you know he lives there, and he is. Um, He's like uh, at the at least at the very beginning of the the movie, uh, very beginning of the story. He's living with um, like somebody. I, I I don't know if they're just like I don't know if they're related at all. I don't I don't actually know what the relation is other than that they know each other and that one of them was living there, right? But they're lesbians and they're cute. Yes, I think they're friends. Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't know if they were like siblings or anything, but um I guess no. I guess I guess when you were talking about the um the uh -huh. other stuff like that, yeah, that makes sense. Um Yeah, I don't remember but, yeah. exactly, but I think it's just a friendly Okay. All right, all right. Yeah. Um but that's that's nice too, right? Like just Yeah. Very casually there's a re there's a lesbian relationship in this in this story and there's just nothing bad going on there. It's just like a nice, wholesome relationship. They're just happy, <laughs> right? And they're they're just going about their lives. And it's like you know, it is nice because it exists in the same sh the story that a story about like gay angst is, right? <laughs> like this is one of those things where um, it would be nice because I'm not saying that um, stories about like uh, gay angst and struggling with being gay in a non-accepting society um, or a non-accepting family. Uh, I'm not saying that that's not valuable. It is, right? But it's also mm -hmm. been played to death. I don't want that to be the only representative thing that takes up like 90% of the space right. in yeah. like, um, of like gay media, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, sometimes it's okay to be happy, guys, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's, it's fiction. We can kind of do whatever we want with it. We, you can have happy gay people, right? Um, <laughs> and like... I'm not saying that gay people shouldn't go through struggles or like um uh be invincible, right? Like it's not that they shouldn't die necessarily in a um in a in a series that where in which death is like common. Um but I'm just I'm just saying that like as long as you're cognizant of like tropes and stuff. Um Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh and also just like you know, you you just don't want to necessarily see the same thing over and over again. Uh and gay angst is like just kind of one of those things, right? It's like this mm -hmm. story has been done to death for the last like century, right? Um, and there is value to be had in it, uh, especially for people who find themselves in very similar situations. But I think it's also important to have stories about gay euphoria where being gay is great and it rules because um, <laughs> newsflash, it is great and it does rule. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I think it's <laughs> it's interesting cuz I've I've also read um I guess like gay media where it is like located like in Japan or in America and mm -hmm. if they don't in some vague way address 
like the the conservative norm uh, that's like relatively right like, yeah. anti-gay or or whatever um it does feel like there's something missing right it's like why is everything so idealized in this work of art that like mm-hmm. they're not addressing this very obvious conflict that should be in the society that they're living sure. in yeah but i think on the other hand it's like it it, it could be that they either address it by saying, "Oh, they live in this bubble in within these countries where that's not a problem," or they don't live in that type of country. They live somewhere else where that's that's not a problem. Right. You know, either yeah. way, I think I, I feel like when it is something that takes place in Japan or whatever, then it should, in some way, like nod to it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I totally get what you mean. Um, yeah. It is. Uh... At the very least, if you're trying to be like a kind of a serious drama about that, mm-hmm. you know, it it is an aspect that is relevant and will come up, um, especially in Japan where it's like so so stigmatized, right? Right. Um, and like, if it wasn't as stigmatized only... in in Japan where a lot of these works are created, then you know it wouldn't be as big a deal. I wouldn't be like, oh, you have to you have to gay angst. It, <laughs> right, and that's yeah, not, exa- yeah. and not at all what I'm saying. And um, it's just like when when something that's so stigmatized is is um, not addressed in any sort of manner whatsoever, then it's a little bit. It feels a little bit strange, right? Yeah, I, 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 get, I totally get what you mean. Yeah. Um, I I would also say just like um, I think it is important to have that struggle, but I think a lot of times the trap that uh, people fall into with that is that it becomes their only struggle, right? Mm. And, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that, uh, when it becomes too commonplace, starts yeah. to take the place of characterization and actual right. like interesting stories, right? right? Like, I think it's, I think mm-hmm. it's fine if it's like, um, there's an aspect of like you're going to encounter intolerant people in this society, mm-hmm. uh, or the system itself stigmatizes you, uh, which is the case in in Japan, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, I would hope that the media about, like, gay characters at the very least is just at least a little about a little bit more than that, right? Um, yeah, no, definitely. Absolutely. As, and, and I would say this, right, especially if it's being made by people that are not a part of those, um, those marginalized communities or identities, mm. right? Um, mm. Because it is one thing to be, like, here is, like, a piece of media um, that I'm making that is representative of my experiences, right? Like, this has mm-hmm. a lot of uh, my traumas and my troubles growing up, right? And have those kinds of things, right? Um, that's very different from somebody who, you know, is well-intentioned, right? Um, but is, like, you know, in Japan, very, very commonly a woman, right? Is mm. going to write a story about gay angst, and it's, it, they're going to be like, oh, it's, it's, um, we can't be together. We're, we're both boys. Isn't it gross? Right. All that kind of stuff. Like the, that trope is so, is so overplayed, right? They're like, oh, we can't, we're both X, right? Like I, I read a lot of Yuri manga and it's super common there, right? Oh yeah, of the, course. Like, yeah. Oh no, we can't, we're both girls. <laughs> it's it's always like a thing. <laughs> right. Um, and obviously last time we talked about like the class S, uh, the, the S, the uh, S class or the class S like specification. Um, and the ways that, uh, you know, how people relate to each other by their, uh, sort of perceived gender expression, um, how they're, how they're treated and how, uh, intimacy is different for those groups. Um, and, you know, I think like in all in all, like it's, 
it's fine in this. Um, it, it obviously it is like Shun's whole deal, right? Uh, that his parents basically disowned him because he was gay, uh, and because he um called off his uh engagement to to his childhood friend. But um, at the same time, you know, it's also still about family and all that kind of stuff, which is I appreciate that. Like I appreciate that it is about family and about found family. Um, about like what it means to like be rejected by your family um that the kind of trauma that that causes um and it is like ultimately it's a story about you know two boys who in one way or another have lost their parents they both have very different relationships with their parents right mm-hmm. one in one which was very nice and warm um but uh it's just like death that separated them and then another in which um he was basically disowned right he cut ties yeah. with his family right mm-hmm. and that is something that is like at least of interest to me specifically because um one you know queer person right um it's always going to be a point of contention um and a point of tension with uh with your parents especially mm-hmm. if your parents are from a country in which that is not normalized and especially mm-hmm. if they have some more conservative um mindsets and values mm-hmm. um they're is a lot of politics about who gets accepted to immigrate into this country. And a lot of times that has to do with um, ideological agreement, right? So a lot mm-hmm. of um, people wonder why, um, and this is a complete tangent, right? But um, people wonder why a lot of uh, Asian Americans, like first generation Asian Americans voted conservatively, like voted for Trump, right? A lot of, Vietnamese yeah. mm-hmm. um, immigrants specifically uh, found mm-hmm. this in their communities, but it's not uncommon in you know Korean American communities either, right? You know, I can't speak for other communities, but um, the reason for this a lot of the times is because the people who um, and I think this is actually probably more specifically localized to Korean and Vietnamese um, immigrants, because like if you imagine for a second, right, why uh, someone might want to come from uh, South Korea or Vietnam to America. Um, Well, they're both places in which there was a lot of American involvement. Um, They're both places that essentially split into two countries based on their ideologies. And they're both places in which uh, the capitalist ideology won, right? Mm -hmm. So, like... um, which is kind of a funny thing to say, given how disastrously bad the Vietnam War was. But you know what? Like, you know, uh, people coming from Vietnam, people coming from Korea, they're generally people who agree with American values because that's just what they've been conditioned to believe, right? They believe that America are the, are the good guys. Or at the very least, they believe that saying that stuff will get them into the country to provide a better future for their children. But mm-hmm. um, that rant aside, uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of, like, family trauma stuff here so i mean if obviously if that is uh of of upsetting potential to you um i would i would definitely watch (laughs) for that it's it's funny (laughs) well um i don't know if you mind spoilers for like the rest of oh no i don't yeah go on yeah but like when when shun goes with mio to go resolve these family tensions um, it turns out that a lot of it was due to Shun's assumptions as to how okay, his family all right, reacts sure. versus how his family actually reacts. And so then that's when 
their bond basically gets starts to mend is because they realize both sides realize that there was a lot of built up miscommunication. Like the family obviously reacted super badly to what happened mm-hmm. when Shun turned down Sakurako's uh, his wedding with Sakurako. So they fully acknowledge that, but then because he cut ties with them, they were never able to make it up to him. And right. so yeah. even though the intention was there, and so uh, it was kind of like both sides kind of messed up in a way. Um, and so then they were able to like basically just, you know, they're able to hash it out and everything. But what I like about it is is that you you address the fact that, yeah, his his struggle is about like him being gay, but then because he gets to a point where you know he's able to accept it because his life with Mio kind of like settles down and then his his life with his family kind of settles down you they they kind of like drop little hints about it in the beginning of the story but his his story basically after that becomes about like the repercussions of like his mental state from you know a lifetime of like you know isolating himself and putting himself down and stuff like that and you learn that mm-hmm. there's like a genetic through line in terms of like his father ends up being clinically diagnosed with depression and then you you already know by that point reading the story that Shun definitely has clinical depression he just hasn't been officially diagnosed with it yet and so you learn that that kind of contributes as well to like what happened with his family but then also what happened with his dad like how Mm -hmm. his dad reacted also like it all like kind of intermingles and that's why I like the way that the series like ends up developing after this point, after they've laid down again the groundwork, is because they they address a lot of different aspects about relationships and and family dynamics that I feel like is missing in a lot of other works. Um, that uh, I th- I think this one does a pretty good job with it, and it in the meantime, like even though they're addressing such serious topics. The story is still very cozy. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't ever become like a drag to read. Um, so I, I quite enjoy it. <laughs> I feel like another thing about this um about the movie, um, at least just looking at it from a standalone mm-hmm. perspective, that I thought was um not as good, uh, was just that like Mio kind of is, right? Like, a lot of his development happens off screen, and mm-hmm. you can kind of infer mm-hmm. what happens. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of the movie is, is basically just about Shun's angst, right? Yeah, and like, yeah, definitely. That, <laughs> it's certainly one way to go about it, but, like, you know, it is, it's a, um, it's like a, it's supposed to be ostensibly, like, a love story between two people. So it would be nice if we just got, like, a little bit more of the other person, you know? Yes, um, yeah. I like. That I think they that nodded. that's the harm of mm-hmm. of the the of it only covering the beginning of the story too. Yeah, is because yeah. they have I, to I choose like a, a character. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the other stuff that I liked was um, I liked that they um, when they have sex, they actually address stuff like um, like cleaning and uh, lube <laughs> and um, what happens if you are both bottoms. Which is to say, right. you just ask politely. <laughs> Bro, it's so, it's so, it's because so funny. This, this is just like the tip of the iceberg for their sex, like communication. Like, like another thing that I really like about this series is that they're so frank about trying, about showing a relationship in which there is like very little 
asexual experience, but B, trying to establish sexual communication. And neither of them is proficient in being able to voice these kinds of things because neither of them has had very much experience. And so throughout the series, you kind of get to see them try and <laughs> navigate this. And it's very stressful for both of them because they both obviously want the same thing. But there's just a bunch of like emotional hurdles along the way that uh, they're they're trying to use their words to communicate, but they don't have the words to because it's about sex, <laughs> right? Um, so I do they they do um, I I do like that they address it here in the in the film. Um, I don't think I in general like had a problem with the way that they showed it in in the film but they do their struggle kind of continues later on as well <laughs> yeah i i mean i would imagine it, it, it's yeah. like it is one of the more realistic sex scenes i've ever seen um and i do appreciate that right like, yeah yeah it's not like everything magically works out because everything everything magically works out the hole yeah. just magically lubricates itself oh it's magically God. clean um Stop. like Stop. very <laughs> very important very important um if if you are doing business in that area please wear a condom um <laughs> it does not matter how cleaned out it is please wear a condom um i don't know if they do but uh you know it it is a piece of fiction so we can have a little bit of like uh, of like sexiness to it right but please just 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 do it to be safe yeah um, in in yeah in in this one they do thankfully okay okay okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah right, yeah at right, one right. point he was like you can wear two condoms if you feel like oh you're gonna, that's right you're that's gonna... right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i told i totally forgot but you're right he does say that he says you can double bag it okay yeah all right then uh in that case uh yeah double kudos congratulations uh, on the most realistic sex scene i've ever seen in in uh most most media I- i'm gonna say probably like 99 percent of it yeah a lot of it is just magic the other the way sex is portrayed in other media oh yeah it's it's amazing right i <laughs> i listen you definitely you read a little bit like too many of the like um uh of the the bls and you like you get this very like this very twisted sense of how sex works <laughs> it's just like oh wow it's it's just it's magically lubricated it's just it's just like the other one <laughs> um <laughs> but uh so uh, that aside, um, uh-huh. I think the only other thing that I uh, oh ah, okay I I did want to bring this up at least briefly. Uh, uh, um, uh-huh. The voice performances in this this movie were easily the weakest part of it. Oh, <laughs> I I I don't know what it is, but like mm. it just at least for the main two boys, it felt mm. so like phoned in. I oh. I don't know if you I don't know if you you got this impression like I don't know if this is just because I'm like um I'm like a, a voice actor snob or whatever right <laughs> if I'm attuned uh. to it but it just I mean like they felt like normal ish voices I think that the actors that they chose were fine I think that the performance themselves were just a little bit like lackluster it didn't really feel like um 
they were putting any any oomph into it. The only person I felt like put on like an actual performance was um, the voice actress for uh, Sakurako. Um, mm. Like uh, I I feel like she did a good job, but she uh, did do a good job for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I would say I I didn't have necessarily an issue with the main two boys, but I also didn't. I kind of like you said they didn't super stand out either. Like it was. You know, it was just fine for me. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do yeah, think Sakuraku yeah. stood out because she really sold the performance for sure. Yeah, and obviously she has like this, like you know, emotional outburst moment, and uh-huh. um, she plays a very specific kind of character. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like the boys also have their emotional moments, and they have moments yeah, yeah, of like yeah, tension yeah. and drama, and uh-huh. it just like they just kind of like I feel like they just phoned it in. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like it, it doesn't feel like they put their back into it. Mm. Yeah, so I will say one more thing. No, wait, maybe more than one more thing. Oh, uh, yes, I liked all of the. Um, in general, I liked all of the like romantic moments. I thought they were were pretty good. Um, it was really really fast and a little confusing at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it felt very natural and realistic in a lot of ways. Right, just kind of like this awkward posturing where like pretty much everybody else knows that you're like into each other but like you refuse <laughs> to say it and they like don't even say it before like Mio like goes off like they just kind of have this moment where he's just like you know like um can I sit with you and, and all that stuff right um and they go out and they talk and and he just like they just like hold hands right and mm-hmm. that's a very like soft subtle moment that I really like um, mm. I feel like that to me is like is like a very cute kind of like romantic <laughs> moment, right? Because like that that's like what it's like when you're when you're um, navigating that stuff in in real life, where you're like, oh, I you know, like will they, won't they? I don't know if they're into me or that stuff, you uh-huh. know. And then you like you go and you have a quiet moment, and and maybe you just like you like can we hold hands or whatever, right? Close the gap, um, yeah, do it. It's, it's about closing. <laughs> Take it's the about, Yeah, you're right. It's about closing the gap, like uh, making contact <laughs> with another person, and um, that felt natural and real, and I mm. I liked that aspect a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of this movie that is like very um quiet and understated and calm and. It, a lot of it takes place on Okinawa, so it's beautiful. Um, the backgrounds are beautiful. Uh, and all of that stuff I really liked, but I kind of just wish that that stuff was in a longer movie. Do you know what I mean? I think... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think that those moments I liked by themselves, but mm-hmm. when they were put into the ho- the whole context of the movie, they become a little bit like weird because they take up a lot of time and there's already kind of stuff happening that you like want to get into but instead we're getting this like long shot of like the ocean um of like the you know wildlife and and lizards and stuff right and that stuff i really liked it gives the vibe it um grounds you the viewer in that experience but um because the movie is already so short it is like taking real estate where there is none basically (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I I completely agree with you, and I think they, if they had had the resources or or whatnot, then they could have made like just just bolstered the movie like a little bit more by, um, well, it's also like they were trying to stay faithful to the source material, but they also 
they changed like small things here and there, but for the most part, they stayed faithful to the source material. And I almost feel like they should have, in order to make like a film out of this first Okinawa part, um, mm-hmm. like like bolstered the story in some way or another to make it feel more cohesive, right? Um, by either they could have shown what Mio was up to while he was gone or while they were separated rather than having the awkward time skip. Um, like just like stuff like that that would have made the Okinawa part of the story like feel like its own full and complete story and really fill out that time so that all of these long quiet moments that they show of Okinawa can feel appropriately paced within the story. Because um, I do agree that this this movie has like a pacing problem because um, I mean it's because it's it's like one short part of the manga, you know. Okay, finally, one more thing, I think. <laughs> one more thing. One more thing. Um, I, this is only really tangentially related to the movie um, because uh, the movie itself doesn't really go into it. Um, you say they explain a little bit more in the manga. Um, and it is the uh, aspect of uh, Mio moving to Tokyo and uh going to uh what is um i'm going to uh, i'm going to go ahead and guess it's an okama bar is like the vibe yeah. mhm yeah okay yeah um i think that is um it brings up an interesting point um which is uh which is something that we've tread on before right when we've talked about okama culture um in the in the past um and i've talked about it on streams when i was streaming yakuza but the mm-hmm. idea of um, Okama as like kind of this like, uh, it is kind of this like um, uh, parallel in Japan to to drag here, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, ostensibly men dress up as ostensibly women, and they you know do bar stuff. They do like Japanese host bar stuff, right? They talk to people uh-huh. and they um, and they serve them drinks and stuff. And uh, there's usually, like, a mama-san who is, like, the, you know, um, the person who owns the place. um, And they're, like, an elder there, um, usually. And um, it's interesting because in many ways, Okama culture is um, very problematic, right? Obviously, in the same ways that drag is problematic, right? It gives Mm. space for, um, like, trans women to exist safely. But at the same time, um, it also is kind of like this, like, um, there's just there's just some problematic aspects of it, right? And mm-hmm. I can't speak to it too much, right? Because I'm, um, I know things about that kind of culture, but I don't, I, like, I don't feel comfortable speaking from a place of, like, experience with it. Mm-hmm. But I think in many ways there is a um, there's something that we kind of overlook when we talk about Okama culture, and I, a lot of this comes from the fact that Okama culture is presented a certain way in Japan, right? Mm. Um, in most of the media you're going to consume, um, Okama culture and Okama like bars and Okamas, right, um, are going to be um, in in a comical way, right? 
Like they're they're there because the idea of a man dressing as a woman and acting like a woman is absurd, right? So mm. oftentimes they will have very strong masculine features and they'll have like stubble, like leg hair, that kind of stuff. Right, and right. you're supposed to laugh at the gap between like you know how this person sees themselves and how you perceive them, right? And at the end of the day, that is like kind of a very cruel joke, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not. Um, it's not an overly pleasant thing to be laughing at people who were born into bodies that uh, don't, don't fit with the way that they conceive of themselves and society treats them a certain way, right? Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it is important to acknowledge um, in the same way that, you know, drag has a history in America that, um, you know, Okama culture and Okama bars in Japan have long been the, like, haven of... Um, of queer culture in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there is obviously something to be said about um, moving queerness away from adult-oriented spaces, right? Because there's, like, the discussions around, um, uh, like, you know... God, there's the there's discussions, like, nowadays in the, the American media and the, the uh, British media about, like, oh, um, like, trans people are groomers, right? And that uh, is that's just like exhausting uh-huh. in and of itself. Um, uh-huh. There, it's not. I'm gonna say I'm not gonna say that there's any truth to that because there really isn't. Um, but uh, it is both really hard to separate uh, queerness from like stuff like kink, like sexual deviancy, or what was considered mm. sexual deviancy, and you know stuff that um, uh. At all aspects of society that um, the dominant culture may find um, not desirable, right? Mm. Um, as a place of like solidarity, right? Um, so it's an it's an interesting, complicated space, and I like that um, that Mio goes there and he he learns about about being gay and right. mm-hmm. um or 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 otherwise right just like being about queer culture in general right right and yeah. and i think um at the very least from what we see when he comes back like it really fixes him right like it it patches a hole in his heart um in many ways um that was left by by uh the absence of of his family right in a way that they become his family and they raise him i'm guessing by the way because all of this stuff is not displayed yeah. in the movie no. right you're 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 correct they they basically become his pseudo family um and right. they're they're it's a really sweet like uh moment when he like kind of reunites with them and then you know they introduce yeah. his shooting to them and it's like ah you know like kind of like there is there is this um growing acceptance and knowledge of international queer sort of culture which is which is to say the way that queer culture is um conceptualized in the west and that is both a good thing for you know uh normalizing it and making people know that it's not weird and uh moving towards um decriminalizing it um, and there is also an aspect of it that is like you know a little bit, um, a little a little like imperialism e right. I'm I'm not gonna go as far as to say that, but like um, queerness in the West, despite how uh, it may look from the way that you know conservatives you know, demonize it and stuff, um, queerness in the West is like very very safe, 
right? It's very sanitized. And mm. that obviously has to do with making sure that, that children are safe and protected and um, get to grow up and know if they're queer or, like, uh, maybe question things a little bit earlier. They may find something to be true about themselves a little bit earlier than they used to, right? Mm. But it's, like, a specific brand of, like, queerness in an acceptable way, right? Like, you can be gay in America, but you are still expected to create a nuclear family unit, right? It's not, mm -hmm. it's not that we've rearranged how we think about relationships. It's that we've accepted another mode of being into our dominant way of, of conceptualizing relationships, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, that I mean, those are just kind of some of the thoughts that I have about, like, queerness and queer culture, right? Like, there's almost something a little bit sad about it going away while also acknowledging that it's doing a lot of good for, for young people, um, that that is becoming a more visible thing and becoming a more like non-indefensible thing right like there is a lot of oh god there's just so much like this happens anytime you talk about queer stuff like there's a lot of stuff about like you know queerness and its history with like sex work right and mm. that's like a thing you have to acknowledge right and um then it you know, people turn around and they demonize it, right? Even if they're the people that are engaging in in um, consuming that kind of work, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Weird, weird tangent about Okama culture, but um, those are just some stray thoughts I have about that. Um, mm -hmm. Did you have anything else that you want to talk about for this movie? Um, I think that's, that's it for me. If 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 you end up checking out the movie it is like a little hour long like bite-sized part of um the series and if you end up liking it i highly recommend continue on to read the manga in case you know they don't end up animating the rest of it I, uh the manga itself as far as i know is still ongoing um it just it releases very slowly because obviously it takes her a long time to make these beautiful chapters happen <laughs> um and uh yeah, and I think she also might have like another ongoing series or something like that. I'm not sure, mm, but um, okay. yeah, um, that's that's all I've got to say about it. It's it's a very wholesome, family oriented. Stop gay it! Series. Stop it, Renu. <laughs> they have a lot of sex. It's it, 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 they have they have sex probably about like. A handful of times throughout the series, so it is a yaoi, I guess technically, but um, it is about like uh, there's like children as well, like in it, later on in the series that they have to like explain things to, like okay. this is what a depression is, this is what a gay relationship is. <laughs> I mean, I I will say this: I was watching this um <laughs> earlier today, right, and. My roommate was next to me playing video games, and I was just like, "Please do not turn around right now, please. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't need you. Listen, it would be the. I promise you, it would be the exact same if I was watching like a straight couple get it on. Like, I just. Oh no, definitely, it's. A I sex don't. Scene. I don't need. I don't need my parents walking in on me watching a sex. I wouldn't. Scene. I would not have your kids read this manga, but as right. an adult. As an adult, if you if you are okay with them being some spicy scenes sometimes, by and large, the show, uh, this series is, is See, about it's, other stuff. <laughs> it is. It, I will say this: it is nice because um, 
there was a solid range of of time when mm-hmm. all yaoi was basically like like rape porn and <laughs> thank god that we have uh, like moved away from that for the most yeah. part there's still some stuff here and there right yeah um but like just getting to watch two people that love each other consensually get it on you know like that's nice you know i feel like even a lot of like pornography these days is not like that nice about it (laughs) (laughs) right it's always been a problem people are like "Mm, yeah i want i want the i want the the uh extreme gangbang or whatever and i'm just like i i don't know man (laughs) like Mm-hmm. I'm 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 okay. I think you know. <laughs> can, can we just get some like some wholesome vanilla going on? Yeah, right. It's, it's gotta <laughs> just like, it's, just no, like, it always has to be weird and right, like exactly. on the fringe and just. <laughs> They're like, um, okay, so in this one, like one person kills another one, uh, uh, the other person, um, with a dildo that they fire with a bow and arrow with their feet. And you're like, this isn't what I asked for. It's not what I'm here for. I mean, holy shit, that's kind of impressive. I'm not gonna lie to you, but like, it's not what I'm not what I'm here for. Um, I suppose now is as good a time as any to say that this is not a family friendly podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just um, you get to watch two consensual adults, you know, you know, have a have a nice relationship with each other. Okay, there is there is an aspect of it where like you know he's an adult and and he's a teenager. And um, but they're oh, it's, they, it's not like yes. they right, but it's not like they like consummate that until they're older. They don't even talk no, to no, each no, other no. until they're older. Okay, I that is one thing that I I I will say about this series is that that was part like one of the things I was like uh, a little a little questionable is is in the beginning because when they meet Shun is an adult and adult aged. Um, right, the, the like, age gap is a couple is, a couple I, of I believe, years. I believe it's um it's twenty to seventeen. And then after the time skip, um, uh, Mio comes back and he's twenty, and um, I believe that makes Shun like twenty three. Yeah, Shun is twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're correct. Um, and so there is the aspect of like Shun's an adult, and then Mio's a, t- uh, a teenager right, in, yeah. in high school when they meet. However, there's thankfully the the there's no like sense of like at least to me like, like of grooming or any like well they they like weirdness. don't even talk to each other right right they barely talk to each other and then when um when Mio comes back he's the one that's hard initiating and then Chun's like yo whoa back off like you don't know what it means to be in a gay relationship um right yeah uh and so um <sighs> thankfully they don't go that route because they <laughs> Yeah, so like, I feel like it is, it is a potentially <laughs> fraught age gap, but they like yeah. they don't make they, they're not weird about it. You know, yeah. I feel like this is the thing, right? Is that a lot of times when they have these age gaps, it almost feels like the age gap is like the point. Like people get off on the age gap, which is like extremely right. weird, right? And yeah. this basically has none of that, right? It, it, they're not even like. It's not even like, oh yeah, I'm like an assistant teacher and you're one of my students. It's literally they're just they just they're literally strangers. They literally have not ever interacted. They have no like point of contact except for like with each other, right? So, you know you can say what you want about like a twenty a twenty year old and a seventeen year old. I feel like that's not the most egregious age gap I've ever seen. And it basically time skips three years later and He's like, I have a crush on you. I want to be in a relationship with you when he's like 20 years old and an adult and they haven't been talking to each other. Like, 
it's it's not as weird as it could be (laughs) (laughs) and i appreciate that i really i really do Uh... like I think if you're if you're going to play with one of them being in high school and one of them being an adult, this is about the best that you could do, really. I mean, obviously, if that stuff still skeeves you out, like, yeah, uh, yes. I mean, know that, and then it, it depending on your level of comfort with it, um, you can, um, just like kind of cringe through the first ten minutes and then get through the rest of it, um, or you can just skip it entirely and like you know, it's not yeah, it's, anyone's it's up business you. what you what you consume. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. It's completely up to you, but um, at least for me, and I feel like I have a pretty sensitive radar for um, <laughs> like really questionable content, um, oh, which isn't to say that I won't watch it, but it like pings. I have the like the yeah, p- oh yeah, definitely right because like, I get a little watched... bit of like like tension. Like if there's something that's yeah, yeah, vaguely yeah. questionable in that realm, it's like a little like, are you gonna do it? <laughs> right, it's like please, 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 please don't be please weird. Don't. Please don't. <laughs> um, but luckily, it uh, Stranger by the Shore elides most of that stuff. I mean, it's pretty good, all things considered. I I think I would agree with with Renu. Having never read the manga, I think I would agree. Um, read the manga first. Uh, mm. I think you will get a lot more enjoyment out of this by reading the manga, seeing if you like it, and then watching the movie to get some of those scenes that you like animated. And yeah, and they're yeah. in color. It's so pretty. It is. Was, it is pretty. I was really yeah. shocked how colorful this there's, movie is. There's a lot of like really nice, wistful, like soft moments where like the wind mm-hmm. is is going, and they like animate like individual strands of hair, and <laughs> it, it feels very flowy, and it feels very real and nice. Mm-hmm. Very pretty. Very pretty. If for no other reason than than some nice visuals, um, and then you get to watch two boys fuck a little, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was cute. It's it a yaoi. Movie. They have to. I mean, yeah, they they got it. You got you got to consummate your love. How are people gonna know you're in love otherwise? Mm. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. It. No, that I think that's it. I, I don't think I have anything else really to say. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's all my thoughts about it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, why don't we wrap up then? Um, who are you, and where can we find you on the internet? Well, I am Renu, also known as Swan. You can find me on Instagram at swan.drawn. You can find me on Twitter and uh, Twitch and Facebook and all that stuff at swandrawn. I am wrapping up playing Devil May Cry 5. It's very exciting. I finished up all of the um, main campaigns and the extra DLC Virgil campaign and now nice, I'm nice. going to be doing the challenge mode where you have to clear a hundred levels and not oh die. Oh my god. <laughs> In my ne- my upcoming stream and there might may or may not be a few drinks involved so if you would <laughs> you like to swing by. Yeah. <laughs> Basically if I lose I got I got to take a drink. Um and uh I got pretty far during my last stream. I got to level 60. Um, out of a hundred, so I'm Yeesh. hoping I'll, I'll be able to beat it. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I don't. I don't know how hard it'll get later on. <laughs> I'm I'm really bad at any of those challenges that require you to like better. I I'm really bad at endurance challenges. Right? I can't mm. I can't stick to doing one thing for a long time. 
Um, it mm. might be the the ADHD. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it's I I like it because they do vary it up per level, right? They put different arrangements of enemies and stuff like that, so there is like a different you you have to continually like rehash how you're using the mechanics of the game, like that kind of thing. Um, right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I- it, it I almost, I almost feel by. like I, I was gonna say I almost feel like that's worse for me. I feel like if it was just doing the same motion over and over again, I could at least zone out and do something else. Really? Oh, I, <laughs> I like that it's different so that I can stay engaged. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, but um, yeah. like that was that was a large part of the reason that I was able to play so much Grand Blue Fantasy was I could literally mm-hmm. play it while watching YouTube videos. Yeah, no, that's fair. Oh, another aspect that also keeps me engaged, at least for this one this endurance challenge is that it's timed Uh, and so each level you're you're fighting for time right you can either lose time because you take too long or you can gain time by doing it very quickly right so i think that also that that creates like a huge incentive to uh how how um, long is each level approximately um that's a good question i want to say like maybe around 20 to 30 seconds but some of them I think every ten levels, there's like us, like they put like a special challenge there. Like they'll put either lots of enemies, or they'll put um, every twenty levels they'll put like a big boss, and then that can that can uh, take up to ten minutes for each okay. boss. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, because yeah. like in my mind, I'm just like a hundred levels. Even if every level was one minute, that would still be yeah. over an hour, and my brain just goes, yeah. I mean, I was I, my first run. I I think I got to level forty, and it took me half an hour. Okay. Um, yeah. and then my second run, when I got to level sixty, it took me an hour and a half. <laughs> so uh-huh, I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't. I don't know like how it's gonna go or how long it'll take. It. Yeah. Um, I think I could definitely shore it up and make it um faster. I just have to do better, you know, at the at the game. So okay. All right. But anyway, cool. anyway, it's fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, what about you? Well, you can find me all the places at Literal Soup. Um, I feel like this is more pressing than ever, um, given that people are now um very afraid because Elon Musk is buying Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, I do have a website, literalsoup.com. And um, I'll probably be trying to expand it uh, at least a little bit um, just because right now it is primarily for um, my writing work. But um, I realized that I probably should also put like, you know, my stream stuff uh, and all that jazz on there, too. Um, So I'll be looking at doing that over the next like, you know, month or so. You can find me uh, streaming, obviously, twitch.tv slash literal soup. Uh, I do a Saturday Ace Attorney stream with you, Renu, and I do a um, ah. Sunday D&D tierless stream with some of my other friends. And I'm, I mean, no, I've been saying this for a while, but I am looking to get back into streaming on my own time, um, other stuff. Uh, but, you know, stay tuned for that. All right. Let's see our... Opening is by Scott T Network, and our ending is by Takuma Okada. And the patrons we are thanking this episode uh, are Evan Williams, Magpie Mirror Test, Claire, Frostfall, Shandao, Cherubel, and Dylan Boats. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you.
get to talk about gay movies because of y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was okay. <laughs> so this this movie was on Funimation the whole time, and it never came up because Funimation doesn't know how to build a functional website, so they don't include Umibe no Etranger in their like search terms and their search engine optimization. So horrible. It it was impossible to find until I remembered. Oh, that's right. There's an English title for this, right? And mm-hmm. then it was like, oh, this is on Funimation. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I I still have an Mother active effort. Funimation subscription. <laughs> I I will say this: watching anime movies is like the worst experience imaginable because like they're either uh in theaters, right? If they're big, like a Ghibli movie is gonna be in theaters, or mm. um at this point a Makoto Shinkai movie is going to be in theaters. Mm. Or it's going to be in theaters for a limited release, which is to say you have like a week to watch it. Um that right. was what it was like when I watched the Gintama movie. Um <laughs> or it's going to be on a miscellaneous streaming platform. This could be Netflix yeah. or it could be Funimation, but it's never a Crunchyroll. <laughs> or it just doesn't it just doesn't get released stateside at all yeah. right and yep. it's like yep. there was a point when we were looking at movies for the seasonal stuff but there just like came a point where there was no point because even if we got those movies it would be like four seasons later it'd be like two years later right it doesn't God, it's just i hate the way that anime movies are just like not a concern for anime companies mm-hmm. and it also kind of sucks because it's just like you know like i like watching anime movies yeah they're they're awesome they are wonderfully animated they're usually like um pretty concise experiences because they have to fit, uh, fit it all within the, like an hour and a half or so yeah um like yeah i like them a lot too anime movies are different from um from an- from television anime in that because they take so long to make um or or rather the standard of quality for an anime movie is just way way higher like mm-hmm. you can tell when something is a movie anime you know yes 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 unless it's by ufo table in which case it looks about as good as the television show because <laughs> um, they that's... have all the money in the world that they can just do that yeah as i say that but that doesn't really that doesn't really count like that stuff is crazy good looking um <laughs> Like, if you watched the Entertainment District arc uh, on a movie screen, you would not be able to tell that it was made for home <laughs> television at all. Like, no way. Right? It looks that good. But, yeah. Um, where was I? Uh, oh, we were ending the podcast. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We will see you next time. <laughs>